Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Uh, you might have seen one of these on a seat near you. Uh, we're going to, here's what's going on here at Celebration. We've got, um, we've just got a lot of really cool things going on around the church. And one of them is we're doubling our children's space in just a few weeks. We're going to get going on that. <laughs> Let's go. We are, um, you're going to see this wall, this kind of empty space back here is going to get walled off. And um, we're going to start building out more classrooms. And that's great because, uh, that means more age-appropriate content for your kids, more ministry and discipleship for your kids. You know, we have children get saved just about every single Sunday. And um, I'm just excited about what God is doing in the kids around here. Um, but it's not stopping there. We have plans. And the great thing is, as a church, uh, we've, we've been able to live with enough margin. We can, we can pretty much just take care of that, just do that uh, financially. But um, we've got plans to make more room. So there's more room for your family and for your friends and for the people you work with to come to church. Um, I just, I believe that God gave us this building in like a great location in the middle of Nampa because God wants to see this, this valley reached. Like, I think that's his goal. Uh, I think it has very little to do with our own ambitions or our own desires. I think it has everything to do with God's desire to reach people. And, um, and so we're going to be, we've got plans in the work to expand and go that way with the auditorium and build a big bathroom and, um, and that's going to take money. And, um, and so you've got these cards. Um, we're going we're gonna to start raising money for the, uh, the expansion. If you're just a guest here, this, like, throw this away, pick your teeth with it, do it, like, whatever. This is not for you. <clears throat> but if you call this church your home, um, I'm just going to ask you, to, uh, to pray, what would God have me do? What would God have me give? And um, get with anybody that you need to be with to make a financial decision. Talk about this with them. Say, hey, what would it look like for us to give our best this year towards expanding um, space so that more people can know Jesus? What would that look like? Pray about it. Pray about it together. Then I want you to plan. I want you to prepare for it. I don't want you to uh, make a, a foolish financial decision. I want you to prepare for it, and then I want you to give. And so our big give is going to be the second week of November for all of our church family. We're going to make more room so that more people can be saved. Is that all right? Yeah. <clears throat> Let's go. Let's go. <clears throat> so excited. Woo. I just, I, I, here's the deal. So I've been up in the mountains. And uh, you ever, like, feel like you're running on fumes? 
You know what I'm saying? Like, you just feel like you're barely making it by. We're up in the mountains with these men, and we're having a great time, and all, all this fun. It was just so much fun. And, and, uh, and, and then I had to come down early to, to, um, uh, to get back down here for service this morning and kind of get my head in the right place. And so uh, we left a little bit early to get down here and make sure my head's in the right spot. Came all the way down out of the mountains and uh, got, got down to where our cell phones started turning back on. And we get, we get these texts that are saying, bling, bling, bling. And they're, and they're like, hey, where's the keys for the rental van so everybody can get home tomorrow? Uh, we found them. They're, they're, they're right here. <laughs> they were right. <laughs> we had to turn around. We had to turn around at the bottom of the hill, like, and go all the way back up into the mountains. It was, it was a late night, and I may have had a rock star uh, just to, uh, or a monster, just to stay alive. And uh, so I'm preaching on fumes. But um, here's what I want you to know. The Lord's, the Lord's present. Amen. Right? He's present. <clears throat> he, he's, he's ready to go. Um, you know, I... I I feel like I wake up every morning with a deficit. Do you ever do that? You feel like every morning you wake up and it feels as though you're back at, maybe not a deficit, but you're at zero. Like, like, like every morning you wake up, you feel as though there's, there's something that has to get accomplished today. Like, like I feel like I'm behind the ball every morning that I wake up. Like the tasks that I normally do every morning, I feel like I'm waking up and I, I've got like a negative five and I got to like get in gear to get those, <laughs> those tasks going to get things done. Anybody, anybody else kind of like that? And for me, often what will happen is I'll have like a, a great plan. I'll, I'll, I'll build out my, my, my planner. Like I, I don't use a Franklin Covey planner, but I, I write it out on paper and got this plan. It's on my calendar and the computer and uh, super excited about getting stuff done. But it just feels as though like, like I end up spending the whole day putting out fires. And I get nothing done. Like, like just, just putting out fire here and here, just trying to, trying to maintain sanity. And people will be like, how was, how was your day? I was like, I showed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't get anything done, but I just showed up today. And inside of me, it just it drives me nuts when I have days like that because there's, I, I just really believe inside all of us, there's a desire for productivity, I believe, like, in our hearts is this desire to, like, make our, our days matter, like, to, to, to make our efforts accomplish something. And it's really hard when you feel like you're not able to accomplish something or you feel like your efforts don't produce anything. I think, I think it shows up very clearly when we feel like because of decisions we've made in the past, my productivity in the kingdom of God or, or in material things is now limited. Like, like, because I had a divorce in my past, that somehow that limits God's capacity to do something through my life. Can I tell somebody today that God is not wavered by the pain in your past. God can still accomplish wonderful things through people that have experienced great suffering and great setbacks. 
say, yeah, pastor, but you don't understand. Like, for me, it's not struggle. It's not, not that I've made some decisions. Like, I, I wrestle with addiction every day. Like, it's, it's an ongoing piece of sin in my life. And, and God can't use that stuff if, if I've got this ongoing thing in my life. And I just want to tell somebody today, don't limit your God by your failures. Don't limit your God by the things that drive you. I serve the kind of God that can make all things good. According to, those that are, according to his will, to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Like, like he doesn't need us to be perfect. He, he doesn't need you to get all squeaky clean before he can do something in your home or in your workplace or with your family. We serve the kind of God that's just not limited. Some of you want like where are you, what are you getting at, Pastor? Here, here's what I'm getting at. For for the rest of this month, we're going to be talking about this idea of legacy. That, that what we do today affects future generations. No, Pastor, I don't think. No, no, no. That, like in the Scripture, like if you've ever read you know, like your Bible, it, you you might read phrases like this: "The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." You read that and you think, oh, that's, that's okay. He's just talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But can I submit to you that he's, he's actually showing us something bigger than just who he is. He's showing us that the decisions you make today, the choices you make today don't just affect you, but they affect your children and your children's children and the, the children, in fact, it says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, that the promise of God is to, uh, to, your, to you and to your kids and to his, uh, all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. What I'm saying is this, is that your life today, what you do now, it actually has uh, ramifications. It actually has implications to your kids' grandkids. Yeah. So we'll talk about finances, and we'll talk about decisions, and we'll talk about all this through this month, but today I just want to lift somebody's faith to recognize that God really can leverage the moments of your life to make an, an eternal difference, yeah. an eternal impact. Maybe God is less concerned with your ability and maybe he is more concerned with your availability. Like, like it could be that God isn't actually looking for the woman that's got it all together. He, he's just looking for the woman that's like, I'm available. Somebody's like, ah, he ain't lying. <laughs> you, you got it. You got it. Somebody over here just got it. <laughs> but think about it like this. Like God doesn't use people that are perfect. He can. But let me tell you a secret. Nobody's perfect. Think about Moses. One of the greatest men that ever walked the planet saw God do amazing miracles. Anybody else walked through the Red Sea lately? This guy Moses was an incredible man, heard the audible voice of God. Saw God in, in a fire, in a burning, but like incredible things. And yet this guy, Moses, you know what he was? 
He was a dude that struggled with anger issues every day that he lived. How do you know that? Because he killed a dude, <laughs> buried him in the sand, and then spent the rest of his life struggling with outbursts of anger. I mean, you can imagine. I mean, he was, he, he was this guy that was torn from his own family. He had deep internal heart issues, that, and he was leading all these people, and yet he had huge issues. God wasn't looking for a dude that had his emotions perfect. He was looking for somebody that was available. Think about King David. King David, the, the greatest king that Israel has ever seen. Like, the, his, his symbol is still on the banner of the nation of Israel. The, he's, he's the king that, 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 uh, that the Bible says had the heart of God. I, thousands of years after his life, we still know of King David, this incredible man. And yet King David, he struggled with adultery. He, and he did it worse than anybody in this room that may struggle with adultery. Because King David, he didn't just try to cover it up. What King David does is he actually finds the guy who's the husband of the wife that he cheated with. And he says, hey man, uh, I love you, you're amazing, take this note back to work. And the note said, when you go back into the battle, put this dude at the front and everybody pull back and let him die. And yet God uses this flawed man we call King David. Okay. I don't know if you're feeling what I'm putting down. Queen Esther, oh, God has called you for such a time as this. You are, you are you know, highly favored of the Lord. No, no, look at her life, people. This is a young girl that was brought into a situation. It was like... The Bachelorette TV show, like, times a thousand. We're not talking, like, entertainment, and she might have had, like, a... Like, she's entering into a contest to be able to seduce somebody. And she changes her name to Ishtar. We hear Esther, but the word is Ishtar. It's the goddess of fertility. I'm just saying she was good at the thing. I'll throw this, I'll just throw this in just for, for, for bonus. For, like if somebody, if you struggle with people, like, like you're like, man, why do you celebrate Easter? It's, don't you know Easter's named after Ishtar? It's about fertility. Her name was Ishtar, and she's in the Bible. And she had abandoned, like she had walked away from even, the, even identifying with the people of God. She had some huge issues she was working through in her life. And yet God says, I can take every moment of shame, every time that you feel like you let me down, every time that you feel like you turned the other way when I was trying to get a hold of you, I can take every ounce of that and I can leverage it for my glory. The things you've experienced in your past don't stop your incredible God from accomplishing great things in your life, especially the things that you think make you unavailable to him. Come on, think about Peter. Peter in the Bible. This, uh, this guy, like, I love him because he's mouthy. 
He's a fish. Anybody hang out with a fisherman, a commercial fisherman? They're all the same. They have their own language, somebody. And this dude, Peter, like, the Bible tells us, like, Jesus is in his passion week. He's about to, like, go into this glorious moment. Peter pulls out a, pulls out a knife and cuts somebody. You got to have friends like that. You know what I'm saying? Like half saved, you know? Like they love Jesus, but they're, but they're also a little backwoods, you know? We see Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 5. It says this, lifting up his eyes then, and seeing what a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? We, we know this is a big crowd. It uh, starts at 5,000 men. It could go anywhere from 5,000 men up to about 20,000 people, scholars would say. A large crowd. Anybody have 5,000 people come marching towards you? And when Jesus sees this, he says, hey, what's the budget look like? That's what, that's what he says. He says, he says, um, where, are we to, uh, uh, where are we to buy bread? You know, he's like, where are we at? Is it, I see all these people. Because, <laughs> you, you know, it's great to have a vision, but you need to make sure your budget matches your vision. You know what I'm saying? You ever walk into the car lot and you're like, that one. And then, and then you start talking and you're like, no, no, we're going to go around the back of the lot. <clears throat> he says, where are we? Like, where are we at financially? And it's because he sees this crowd of people coming that he begins thinking about resources. Because whatever gets your attention gets your affection. Whatever captivates your eye will captivate your heart. Like when you went and you, you convinced your wife that Buying a brand new truck was the best decision for the family. Right? Like it's, it's a mode of transportation, honey. Like the Lord is in this. They've got rebates, somebody. And you get the thing home and you, you park it in your driveway and, and the whole time you're, you're just like making sure it's shiny and nice. Like you're on Amazon looking for special parts. Like you're on eBay looking for parts to make that thing amazing. I'm in the word. The first time your kid rides their bicycle past that thing, you're like, <laughs> like get away, get away. And inevitably, your kid is going to run into the back, of the back of the truck every time, right? They're going to crash the bike into the tailgate, and it's just like, it's done. But here's the deal. What gets your attention gets your affection. And so, so many of us, although we, we want to live for God and we want the things of God in our life, the truth is there's a lot of other stuff that has our attention, doesn't it? And, and everything that gets our attention gets our 
affection, whether it's a, a career that takes up so much of our time that even though we want to give our kids affection, they don't have our attention. And because they don't have our attention, they don't have our affection. doesn't matter how much we say it. If they don't have our attention, they don't have our affection. We get distracted. So Jesus sees this crowd coming and he says, what is it in the budget? Verse, verse 7, Philip answers him. He says, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. He, he says this. He's like, if all of us work, this is the equivalent. If all of us were to go to work, all of us disciples, it would take us about eight months to come up with enough just to give everybody like a taste. Everybody would just get a taste if we, if we, if we, if we did. He's, he's, Philip is, is quickly coming up with the math for why this cannot work. He had done the math on why it could not be done, but he did not take inventory on what he had. So many of us, we want God to do something in our marriage, or maybe we're just hoping God will make a change in, in our career, or maybe, maybe God would just open up a door and bring love into our life. And all we think is about all the reasons why, like, I just, I've done the math. Like, it's just not going to happen in this life. And I'm saying you serve the kind of God that does not need you to do his math for him. All he needs you to do is to take inventory of what remains. Just what's there. No, you don't understand, Pastor. Like, like God's, God's put something in my heart, but, but it's never going to happen. Like God's, maybe God's put a, a desire in you to start a business, and you're like, yeah, but that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. I just don't have the self-esteem, or I don't have the resources to make that happen, or, Maybe you feel like God's asking you to create some security for your family through a house. You're just like, I've looked at the numbers. They're just not there. And I'm telling somebody, you can count the numbers all day long, but you serve the kind of God that does not care about the math. He cares about the inventory. He asked the question to draw attention to the need. But Philip hears the question, and all he does is see a lack. Can I tell you that the difference between God's desire or, or God's hope for your life that he's placed inside of you and where you are, that difference, that lack, that's the miracle. Like, that's the gap. We serve the kind of God that takes the difference between what you have and where you're going, and he fills in a miracle in the middle. Guys, we don't have, even as a church, we didn't even have the funds to get this building, but we serve the kind of God that says, God's at, I'm at work here, my people are responding to me, and I'm going to fill in the gap with a miracle. 
We are, we're going to raise all kinds of money for, for, for this building, for, for that and for this. We don't have that resource. I'm saying like, we, we do not have it. But I'm telling you, we serve the kind of God that when there's a lack between what you have and where he's taking you, the miracle's in the gap. It's in the gap. It's a gift right there in front of you. Verse 8. Was one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? Now, I just want to stop for a second and say, this is not um, a scholarly approach. This is my personal feeling. When you look at the Gospels, you see this account is recorded several times. And in every other gospel, all it says is that there was five loaves and two fishes. Five loaves and two fishes. But in the gospel of John, it takes a moment to show that it came from a little boy. And it's just my personal uh, opinion that, you know, here's the deal. Is, is we know that John was actually just a little boy <laughs> at the time. The rest of the disciples were grown men. John was a little boy. I just, my personal opinion, the reason he includes the fact that one of the disciples snatched a little boy's lunch <laughs> is because it was his lunch. You know, he's just like, that sucker took my lunch. That's, that's just me, okay? That's just me. But, but my point is we, we disqualify ourselves because of the insignificance of what our gift is. We disqualify ourselves because of maybe the lack in our bank account. Or we disqualify ourselves because maybe our marriage isn't what we think it should be in order to accomplish all that God has. And so we come to him. He's, he's saying, I want to feed 5,000 people. And we're like... Mama packed me a lunch. And we, we think we can't make a difference in the world because what we have is not enough to actually accomplish what he's asking for. We, we say, like, I'm not enough. I can't do this. I don't have what it takes. Maybe I'm not smart enough to, to, to be able to teach somebody, or I'm not caring enough to be able to comfort somebody, or I'm not fast enough to be able to get somebody to the airport so they can make it to their plane. I just want to say this, that every time you say, I'm not smart enough, my marriage isn't good enough, my job's not prestigious enough. Your father in heaven is saying, good, good. I don't have what it takes, good. Like, I don't have the, I don't have the mental capacity, good. Because he's the God that is more than enough. So where you think you're confessing a failure and a flaw, every time what he's hearing is there's an opportunity for him to show up. Like, God, I'm too young to be able to do anything in my family. And God says, that's great because I can use young girls and young boys to transform entire generations because they don't have enough. He's got enough. It says it like this in 2 Corinthians 9. It says, 
He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest in your life. What I'm telling you is this, like, look, it's this principle. We focus on the principle of it's sowing and reaping. He's going to multiply. He's going to, he, sowing. But I just want to tell somebody, it says it's him that supplies the seed for sowing. It's not the person that's got it all together. Like if you want God to do something in your life, there comes a moment where you recognize the stuff I need to sow into my life to see God's goodness. I don't have it, but he's the one that supplies the seed for the sowing. That's the kind of God you serve. I'm just trying to raise your faith, just ratchet it up a little bit and say, hey, whatever it is in your life that you feel stunts you from accomplishing what God has placed in your heart, that's a lie from the enemy because you serve the kind of God that has all the resources to make up the gap. But pastor, I just, I just don't know any Bible verses to be able to really help anybody. So I don't know. Well, you need to learn some Bible verses, and we'll get you there. But in the meantime, you got a great smile. Like when you smile, people light up. Yeah, but that's not really a gift. It is a gift. Have you ever looked at me and thought, man, that guy looks unapproachable? <laughs> he looks angry. I'm not angry. I just have a resting face, and you don't. So leverage that for the kingdom of God. Leverage it. But, but, but Pastor, I just, I don't, I just don't, I, I, you know, I don't have the, the financial thing that I can give and really make a difference with, like, the building and all this. But here's the deal. Like, you're so good at telling stories to people. Like, don't you realize that when, people, when you tell people things, they come alive inside. Like, use your voice for the kingdom of God. Because what he does is he makes up for our lack with his Strength. Jesus does this. He says, uh, verse 10, Jesus says, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. This is why I like John, because John, John always recognizes, he's a little kid. He's remembering his childhood memories. Another translation says it. It says, there, there was green grass. He's a kid. He's playing in the grass. And so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number, and Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. Not as much as they needed. Not as much as they could get by with. He didn't give them a bite. He gave them as much as they wanted. I'm just telling you, like you serve the kind of God that he's he going to take care of you. He, he can give you as much as you want. Have you ever gone to a job interview with somebody? Like, like you go to, go to a new employer and they ask you this kind of question like, like how much do you need to be able to live? 
You know, like, how much do I need to pay you so that you can keep breathing and keep coming to work? He's not that kind of God. He's not saying, like, what's the minimum I can skimp by with in your life? As much as they wanted was available for them. In fact, the Bible says even more than they wanted showed up because there was 12 baskets full of scraps. I'm just telling somebody, like, maybe for you, you're thinking, I, I just, I, I really want to be able to, to really look at, like, have people look at my marriage and say, this is the kind of marriage that, that I want. Like, I want a marriage that people look up to, but I don't have that. And I'm just telling you, God can take it and give you as much as you want. I, I, just, I just really want my, my business to thrive so I can make difference in the kingdom of God. And I'm saying, he can do it. It says that he, he had given thanks and then distributes it. Another translation would say it like this. It would say he, he blesses it and then breaks it. Until you bless what is not enough, what is not enough will never become more than enough. Until you say, God, what I have is not enough to do what you placed in my heart. Until you come to the place where you say, that's true, but I bless it. What you have will never become more than enough. Say, God, I, I, I was just hoping that my relationship would just be so much more than it is. Until you bless what is not enough. I'm saying some of us, when we talk to our spouse, we're, we're pointing out where it's not enough. Well, you, you, didn't, you didn't do this, or you said you'd do this. And pointing out all the areas where there's lack, and I'm telling you, here, here's a secret that's changed your marriage. Until you bless what is not enough, it's not going to become more than enough. And husband, until you start saying, honey, you are so amazing. Like, I thank you for all your consistent, like for what you're doing in the family. Like what you do, I cannot do it without you. Like wife, I'm, I'm saying like until you bless what's not enough, it, it won't change. Like, <clears throat> like until you come to your husband and you're like, honey, I just love it. Like, I, like you are so amazing. Like you're so consistent. Like I, you're so, like you're always so predictable. Like, I wish it wasn't alcoholism, but, but you're predictable. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what, like, you're predictable, honey. Like, until you, until you bless it, you're not going to experience the more than enough. Preacher, you don't understand. I, I, I'm trying to get a better job, but but the car I drive is like this, it's just always got transmission, it's always struggling, it just, I'm embarrassed. Until you get to the place where you can sit in that car and say, God, I just bless, I like thank you for this gift that is this old jalopy car. Like, thank you for the opportunity to be able to, like, thank you for the wheels to get to work. It's somebody that can bless what's not enough that God then says, I'll make it more than enough. He makes it more than enough. As a band would come, I, 
I think there's one really incredible thing in this whole passage. It says, in John, it says that Jesus lined the people up and he passed it out. But in the other Gospels, it says it like this, that Jesus takes the loaves, five loaves, two fishes, and he breaks them and he gives them to the disciples to go distribute. Now, I, I've seen this scene in, on a movie before. You remember like when Christian movies were horrible? Like they're pretty decent right now, but they used to be like trash. You know what I'm saying? I remember seeing this as a kid, like there was this Jesus performing this miracle and they must have had like a, a leaf blower in the ground. It's like blowing bread up into the air. It's like, oh, it's like corniest thing you ever saw. That's not what the Bible says happened. There was no leaf blower thing going on. Jesus takes it, breaks it, five loaves, so it's just under a half that he breaks for each guy and he hands it to them. And then they distribute it. Jesus breaks it once. He blesses it, breaks it, hands it to the disciples. And the disciples start going around saying, hey, here's one for you. Here's one for you. Here's one for me. Here's one for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what's going on. But as they're, Jesus broke it once. Placed it in their hands. And as they're distributing it, Thomas, is this, is this for you who won't believe? Like, it's just, well, Peter, is this happening to you too? Like, this is, this is great. Like, what's going on is the miracle is actually happening in the disciples' hands. Until you get to a place where you can take what you think is insignificant and unuseful and unhelpful uh, and you hand it to Jesus and you take that thing that's not enough and you place it in his hands and you allow him to bless it. What he does is this. He takes what's not enough, he blesses it, and he puts it right back in your hands. And the miracle happens through him but it's in you. I just wonder if there's somebody in this room today that you're ready for the Lord to really take some things that you feel like are just never gonna be what you had hoped they were and allow God to transform that. Would you stand with me all across the room? doesn't take a lot. It just takes a little. It doesn't take the person that's got it all together. It just takes the person that says, Jesus, can you do something with this? If you feel like there's an area of lack in your life and you want to present it to the Lord and say, God, have your way with this area of lack, I just want you to raise it to him right now, just where you're at hands raised. Maybe for you it's your finances. Maybe for you you feel stuck in your career. Maybe for
for you, you feel like God's got a calling, a ministry in your life, and you don't know how to start it. Maybe for you, it's your marriage or your lack thereof. Raise that need to the Lord right now because we serve the kind of God that takes what's not enough and he'll make it enough. Lord Jesus, right now, with every hand that is raised, I pray that you would minister to that soul right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, where we feel insecure and we feel inadequate and we feel like we don't have what it takes, right now, Lord, we're turning to you. Your word says that you are the author and you are the finisher of our faith. So we're not trying to make this thing on our own. We're not trying to do it all on our own. Instead, we're saying, Jesus, have your way in my life. Like, Jesus, take what I, what, it, what is insignificant and make it something powerful. Like, you are the alpha and you are the omega. You are the beginning and you are the end. And so, God, we don't rely on ourselves. We don't look towards a politician. We don't look towards somebody that's a banker, but we look towards the Alpha and the Omega, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who always has enough. And we are not just servants of the Lord. We are not just in the army of the Lord, but we are children of the Most High God. We are sons and daughters of the Lord. And so God, I pray right now that you would give perfect gifts to your kids. Lord, that you'd bring provision to your kids right now, that you'd bring a resolution to your children right now. Have your way in this room, Lord. Have your way in this room. Listen, the most amazing miracle you'll ever experience is this is when you recognize it on the inside of you, you don't have enough even to come to God. Like the greatest miracle you'll ever experience is the miracle of salvation. I just believe there's some men, there's some women in this room that you didn't come here to play church. You came here to have an encounter with God. And if you're in this room and you're ready to receive a moment where the miracle of salvation, where heaven says, you're mine. In just a moment, I'm going to have you raise your hand. We're going to respond to the Lord. Listen, it's not hard to experience the miracle of salvation. It's as simple as this. We repent. It means we turn away from the things we think, do, and say that don't please God. And we believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And his blood cleanses us from all sin. And he pulls us into relationship with him. If you're ready for that and you're in this room, would you just put your, boldly, like none of the shy stuff, boldly put your hand up. Come on, bold. I love it. Come on. We got some bold people. Come on. I see you guys. I see you. Come on. Keep your hands up. Hey, church family, let's join them. Hey, here's what I want to tell you. If your hand's up, listen, you're in a room full of people. We support you. Like, nobody's thinking weird things about you. Like, we support what you're doing. We're pumped that you're with. So church, raise your hands with them, and we're going to respond to the Lord as a body. Listen, we're going to repent and believe. So pray something like this in your own words, something like this. We're going to turn away 
And what doesn't please God, we're going to turn towards him. Something like this. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. Right now, I repent. In your own words, say it. I'm turning away from them right now. Would you forgive me? I believe Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. So right now, I'm placing all of my faith and hope in him. Say these words. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's some people that made the biggest, most important decision of their lives. It's amazing what God can do through a choice, through a decision, through a stake planted in the ground, saying today's the day things change. Let's respond to the Lord and worship. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.